Have you started revising your story only to feel like you're going in circles? Does the revision process feel overwhelming and you don't know what to tackle next? In today's episode, you're going to learn how you can use different lenses to review your work and how this method can help make the revision process less chaotic. You'll also learn six lenses you can start using today. Welcome to Parents Who Write, the podcast that helps parents pursue their writing dreams. I'm your host, Erin P.T. Canning. I'm a mom of two young boys, a writer, editor, and writing coach. My mission is to help you regularly make time for your writing, find your voice again, and confidently share your stories so that you can own your identity as a writer and be a happier, more patient parent. Welcome to another episode of Parents Who Write. We are going to dive into lenses, but first I've got a little story for you guys. Think about binoculars. Usually we use them to zoom in and focus on something in particular. I say usually because my preschooler loves to look through them from the opposite direction. I tried to correct him more than once, but he kept doing his own thing. So one day I gave it a go. I looked at the world his way. And I was stunned at how the binoculars changed my view and made the world so miniature and compact. But that's what lenses do. They change what we see. They change our focus. And we need to change up our focus when we are revising our story. Because when you've been living inside your story for months or sometimes even years, It's easy to confuse what's in your head and what's actually on the page. Worse yet, if you're trying to catch everything every time you go through and revise your story, you're going to miss stuff because trying to clean up everything all at once is hard. You'll get distracted, you'll get confused, and you'll get overwhelmed. I don't know about you, but I just described exactly how my preschooler feels every time I tell him to clean his room. When he looks at that mess, all he sees is an explosion at his feet, and that overwhelm stumps him. So I help him to focus on only one task at a time. For example, find all the play food and put them in your kitchen. When he's finished with that, we move on to putting the building blocks in the bin starting with only the blue ones. Do the same thing with your revisions. Each time you comb through your story, put on a different lens. Choose a different focus. And to help you do this, you'll need a few tools. Get out a highlighter, physical or digital, and have a separate piece of paper nearby or even an Excel sheet. And here are six different lenses to put on when you're combing through your story. Number one, time and location. At the end of the first Sherlock Holmes movie with Robert Downey Jr., Rob is chasing the bad guy in the sewers under the Houses of Parliament. And then a few minutes later, they're fighting on top of Tower Bridge. Tower Bridge is not next to Big Ben. In fact, about three miles separates them. So. How did our heroes instantaneously teleport three miles away? They didn't. The movie has a time and location error. So when you are going through your story, track when you change locations and time has progressed. You can do this using an Excel sheet 
or just making notes on that piece of paper that is next to you. When I was looking back through my novel, I realized that the second time my character faces danger happens too quickly after the first time. I needed her to have more time between those two moments to help her build a rapport with my secondary characters. So in between danger number one and danger number two, I went to the top of a scene and I just added a line or two about how the rest of the week followed the same pattern, which also helped set up that false sense of normalcy. But I was able to build in that extra time so that my readers aren't like, man, this girl just keeps dealing with scary moment after scary moment. Again, go through your story and just start tracking every time you change time and location. Number two, emotions. In terms of showing emotions, I talked about this in episode 30, but today we're looking at emotions from a different angle. Have you ever had that moment where you feel like your character is all over the place? Their emotions feel like they're jumping around. You really want them to come across a certain way, but it just doesn't feel right. And you can't quite figure out why. Select that passage and get out your highlighter. And every time you show their feelings, highlight that and use a different color for a different emotion. I was working with another client and she said in a particular scene, she really wanted her character to be dealing with two particular feelings. And the two feelings that she was supposed to be oscillating back and forth between were frustration and vulnerability. We went through four paragraphs and every time her character did something or said something that showed a feeling, we assigned it a color. And by the time we finished, she had a rainbow going on with her paragraphs. And here, for her internal conflict, she just wanted the character to be oscillating between these two feelings. But once we assigned them colors, she realized like, wow, this is why the scene didn't feel right. She's jumping all over the place, emotionally speaking. So then she was able to go back and change all of those colors to one of the two that she actually wanted. And sometimes it was just a simple word choice change where her character was coming across as sounding bitter, not vulnerable. So she just needed to make a little tweak there. But by the time she was done with that, she then had only those two feelings that she was really aiming for. But when you are deep inside your passage and you're writing and you're letting your creativity flow, which is great, it's hard for you to step back and look at it from that perspective. And that's why this is a really great lens to go back in during your revision process. Number three, character arcs. Compare your characters at the beginning of your story with where they are by the end of your story. And I don't just mean your main character. Do the same thing for your secondary characters and your villains. List what they're feeling or struggling with at the beginning of your story, and then list what they're feeling and struggling with or not struggling with at the end of the story. And I specifically say to do this for your villains, too, because nobody likes a flat villain where they're just evil for the sake of being evil. Something happened to them that pushed them over to the other side, and they made these choices for a reason. So explore that and see if even your villain has learned something by the end. Maybe they've reaffirmed that idea, but again, you should still be able to see that struggle, that journey that even your villain went on. 
When you're doing this for all of your characters, again, have a piece of paper, make a chart, write down each of your characters' names, and then start asking yourself, how have they changed? What transformation did they undergo? What lessons did they learn? What about their priorities changed? At the beginning of the story, my character was struggling with this. And at the end of my story, my character is now feeling this. For your main characters, this should also exemplify or support your story's main theme. For example, at the beginning of my novel, Adeline feels alone and struggles with admitting those feelings and the insecurities that come with being alone. At the end of my story, she's surrounded by family and friends, and she's gained power from being honest with herself. And this exemplifies my theme of bringing people together from different backgrounds and cultures. Number four, I go into more detail about chapters as a whole in episode 35, but in terms of editing lenses, you want to define the purpose of each chapter. Keep it super simple. Chapter one is about Adeline transporting to another world. Chapter two is about getting her to follow my secondary characters back to their castle. So just simply define the purpose of that chapter. And then the lens that you're going to use when you go through and you revise that chapter, all you're going to look at is deciding the paragraphs that you have. Do they support the purpose or goal of that chapter or do they distract from that purpose or goal of that chapter? Number five, plot. Zoom out and look at the structure of your story of your plot. Typically speaking, the inciting incident should happen between chapters one and three. So just look at your story, be like, yep, this is my inciting incident. This is the thing that pushes my character to proceed with the story. This is the thing that forces my character to go on this journey. The climax should take place roughly between 70 and 80 percent of your story. So if you have a 100,000 word novel, that means that your climax should happen when you reach the 70 to 80,000 word mark. And your resolution should be the last 20 to 30%. So again, if you have a 100,000 word novel, then that means your resolution should be about 20 to 30,000 words. Or If you average 3,000 words per chapter, then you're talking about six to 10 more chapters to wrap everything up and tie up all those loose ends. Number six, mood. Mark Lewis, a professor at James Madison University, talks about tracking the mood of your story. He recommends drawing a horizontal line across a piece of paper, and that's the neutral zone. Then track the overall mood of your story as it progresses from scene to scene. Your story should oscillate between dipping below the neutral line and rising above it a bit more each time, but with an overall downward trend until you pass the midpoint of your book. Then the trend should start to climb upwards until the mood plummets down to the character's darkest moment. This would be the moment when Obi-Wan Kenobi gets struck down by Darth Vader. That is Luke's darkest moment. For Finding Nemo, it is when Marlin thinks that Nemo is dead. For Lord of the Rings, 
that would be the moment when Aragorn thinks that Frodo has failed and everybody's doomed to die. So after the mood plummets down to the character's darkest moment, then the mood should start to climb upwards again toward the highest point on your graph, which would also be the climax and resolution of your story. So how does this help you? If you start graphing these moments, you'll be able to visually see your character's lows and highs, and you'll also be able to visually see if your story goes too dark too soon. You know, have you forgotten to give your characters happy moments that remind them what they're fighting for? Or do you have too many happy moments in a row that your story starts to feel stale? So using a visual graph like that will help you to balance the mood of your story. Okay, that's it for about today. Just keep in mind that these lenses are more tools in your toolbox for the revision stage not the drafting stage of the writing process. These lenses are specifically helpful for the second stage of the writing process, which is called the architecture stage. There are four main stages of the writing process, and I actually add a fifth stage to the writing process. But anyway, my LGS workshop takes you through each of those stages, and when you walk out of it, you know how to dive into your work and let your creativity lead, and then when to step back and what order in which you should start revising your story so that you're not jumping around and that you don't get lost in the weeds. If you have any questions, please always feel free to send me a message. As always, I truly hope that you found this helpful. And keep writing, my friend. Bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Parents Who Write. Ready to take action and start writing now? Don't wait. Before you forget, download my free guide, Five Steps to Help You Start Writing Today. You can find it conveniently located in the show notes. Get it and start making progress immediately. 